All right, we're going to do a scripture reading now. Uh, we're going to be in John chapter 17, verses 20 through 26. Uh, I do not ask for these things only, but also for those who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may be known that you have sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I may know to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. Thank you, thank you guys. Um, we are once again in the 17th chapter of John. Today is our final time. We've been here last two times. Uh, if you're joining us for the first time, we're in this series called Pray Like Jesus, and we thought it'd be wonderful for us to be able to actually hear the words of Jesus. And what makes John 17 so special, so unique and exceptional, is the fact that we, we do see throughout the Gospel of John, Gospel of Luke, and other Gospels, Jesus praying throughout the most important part of his life. But we don't often get the content or the conversation between the, the Son and the Father. In John 17, we get 26 verses of wonderful conversation between the Son and the Father. This is why some theologians have called it this the Holy of Holies. This is the first time where finally the curtain is unveiled for us to be able to hear this wonderful conversation. And more importantly, what Jesus actually prays, not only for his disciples, but for the future believers, which includes us. Um, verse 20 Right, we, we started with, I do not ask for these only, speaking of his own disciples, but also for those who will believe me through their word. We are included in this prayer. That's the wonderful news. And all the wonderful things that we've been studying in John 17, all the wonderful requests that Jesus has made to the Father, he has you and I in mind. So today we're going to be in the final six verses uh, and concluding, concluding words of Jesus. Uh, they deal with three things. Let me just set the structure for today's sermon. Three things. One, Jesus' prayer for our unity to not only be there, but to mature and grow. Second, Jesus' prayer for the world to know him and the Father, the Father's love. And three, how does the world really know who God is and his love for them? So three things. So first, Jesus' prayer for our unity to mature. Verse 22, if you, have the Bible, if you have your Bibles with me, uh, open up to John 17, verse 22. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them. And verse 23, so that they may become perfectly one. So, so first, what is glory that Jesus get, has given to us, right? We, we got to review a little bit. What is the glory? The glory that the Father gave the Son was the glory of the humility of incarnation. Right? This is very clear, very straightforward. There's, there's no debate am among the scholars. Jesus is talking about the incarnation of himself, that God 
would become one of us, to enter our neighborhood, to come into our ghetto, to engage our brokenness, to redeem you and I from our sin by taking on our punishment. That's the glory. Not only the the Gospel of John continues to talk about the hour, but that's the glory that Jesus understands. The glory you have given me, the ability to come in, to be one of your creation, to live the life they could not live and to die the death for them. That's the glory. So Jesus tells the Father, I have given them the glory that you have given me. And not only have they seen it, but now they possess it. 2 Corinthians 4, 7, I think Paul is really speaking into or speaking about this to the church in Corinth. When he talks about the, the, the jars of clay, this idea of jars of clay, let me read for us 2 Corinthians 4, 7. Paul's Paul speaking to the church that's struggling mightily. And he wants to encourage them. He wants to infuse courage. And he says, we have this treasure. Brothers and sisters, we have this treasure in jars of clay. We are like jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We're afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus. So that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. So Paul wants to encourage believers that are struggling, that are struggling to keep their faith in midst of persecution, that are struggling to keep their faith in midst of their own sin and shame. And then Paul says, we're not crushed. We may have been attacked. We may be perplexed, but we are not crushed. Why are we not crushed? Why are we not destroyed? Why can we remain hopeful and be of courage? Life is hard, right? Not, I mean, maybe you had a good week, but if you live life, there, there are difficult challenges in life. And to be a Christian in the world, as we talked about last week, there are challenges. And then you look at your life, right? First, your marriage. You know, before I got married, I thought I was a pretty good dude. I, I literally genuinely thought in my head, I'm a pretty good guy. First, your marriage. I realized I'm not a very good guy. There's a lot of disconnect and the challenges um, and, and I realized, man, there's just a lot of brokenness. Right? Life is hard. But, but, but Paul says, why are we not crushed? Why are we not destroyed? How can we remain hopeful and of courage? It's because we have been given the same glory that Jesus has received from the Father. In each of us, we carry within us the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. So when the world sees you and I, when our non-Christian friends, non-Christian coworkers see you and I, that's what, that's what must shine out of us. Not our great skills or persuasive words or ability to engage or, or, or way to be relevant. It has to be none other than the humility of Jesus' incarnation. Friends, the way of true glory in Jesus' kingdom the kingdom of God is not, is not for those that want to be well-received. The kingdom of God is not for those that want to be honored. The kingdom of God is really the way of the cross, not the throne. And as our Lord and Master took on the cross, He invites you and I to do the same. That's the glory that we have received, the glory that He has received from the Father.
So verse 23, moving on, Jesus also prays that we carry that exact glory like the jars of clay, this unbelievable treasure in each of us. And as we carry that glory, as we do that well, carrying the death of Jesus so that life, life of Jesus will come out, Jesus says that's the way our unity will mature. That's the way our unity will be perfected, like the word it says in verse 23. So that means, this means, according to Jesus' prayer, the unity that Jesus prays for any Christian community, including ours, is at the same time something that is achieved, like we talked about last week. Remember we talked about unity is a gift from God. It's something that God does for us. But also it's something that needs to grow and mature. Last week we said when we look at the original Greek of the word in verse, from verses 6 to 19, to be one as Jesus prayed for, prayed for you and I to be one, it's clear that the unity has already been accomplished by His glory, by what He has done. So first and foremost, unity again is a gift from God. And, and this is the gift, right? The ability for you and I who are from different culture, different language, perhaps different way of life and different denomination and theology can come together and be able to be one community. That's a gift from God. And the same spirit that resides in each of us. And through this, we are able to enjoy common experience of grace, common object of faith, a common eternal destination. That's why we can sing these common songs and these common prayers together as one body. The Spirit makes all of these things reality for us. Yet Jesus also prays. What's interesting is verse 23. Jesus also prays that this unity, the gift that he has given to every Christian community, will also grow and mature. He says, I pray it will mature and grow. I pray that it will be perfected. So are we united? Yes. But can our unity grow? Yes. We have been given this unity, but this unity needs, needs to be stored well. It needs to grow. And again, very, very simple. Unity can only grow. Our, this Christian community and all other Christian communities can only grow together in our unity, only mature in our unity as we take on the, the humility of incarnation. Of the, not only being saved by Jesus, but by seeing how Jesus has lived his life, how he has treated other people, how he has had compassion and mercy, and even gi giving away his own life for us. And that's the only way our unity will grow. This takes work, this takes intentionality, this takes willingness to invite each other into each other's lives. Right? Not just Sundays, not just one hour a week. This takes vulnerability. This takes intentionality. This takes time. Yet this is what it means to be Jesus' community. Why is this so important? Maybe you ask, why is that so important? Well, the second thing, second thing we're going to talk about is Jesus' desire for the world to come to know him. And Jesus says, I pray that your unity will be perfected so that the world will come to know that you have sent me, and the world will come to know the, the love that you have for the world. Again, how will the world know the love of God? Mature unity that exists in the body of Christ. So what Jesus is practically praying in our passage is that as 
your unity matures as you grow one, as you become more mature in the way you're united, the world will come to know not only me, but the love of the Father. According to John, in John's gospel, the world is seen as a place of sinfulness, brokenness, a place where there is no presence of God. So, so, so it's, if that's true, if our unity, our maturity of unity is what brings people to Jesus, it's also true when we are divided, when the church is divided, we are ineffective in showing the love of God to the world. I, I, I've told you this. We've, there was a season in our young church where we were divided. There was division in our leadership, and that was not a good witness to people that were coming to know Jesus. I still, man, my heart breaks. I still grieve when I think about so many people that were coming to know Jesus. They were impacted by our disunity. But that is true, right? Why would the world want to come and, and be able to commit to something like this when it is so divided, when, when what we're preaching and what we are showing is completely different? I, I wouldn't, right? So this is what Jesus is saying. Only when the church is truly united, when, when, when people in the community are willing to take on the incarnation, humility, humility of Jesus, that's when the world will see and be able to come. And this is already what Jesus, Jesus is just repeating. Jesus is praying what we repeated in John 13, 35. He looks at his disciples after washing their feet. He says, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Healthy growth is only possible when the church is growing in our unity. In fact, according to Jesus, in order for you and, you and I, our Jesus community, to be effective witnesses... Effective place where people that did not know Jesus will be able to come and find Jesus. We need to nurture two things. Two things really well. One is proclaiming the message of the truth. Verse 20, that is to be believed. Right, That's what Jesus prays. These people have received the word. They have believed. They have obeyed. So we need to proclaim the message of Christ. But also second is, again, demonstration of unity in the life of the church that Jesus prays for here. So these two things are very important, proclaiming the truth and unity, demonstration of unity that is, that is also evident in the body. So first, the proclam proclamation of the message of Christ uh, in, in verse 20 uh, I mean, we, we, this is intentional for us. We do this as we gather in our Sundays, in our prayer meetings. We want to proclaim in our small groups to proclaim truth of the gospel. The demonstration of unity are, are also something we need to practice and essential in order for the world to come to know Jesus. See, when we think about church growth, I don't, know if, I don't know if you guys think about it. I do because I'm a pastor, a church planter. We think about church growth a lot. We want to survive, right? Many assume, right, more and more people would come to know Jesus through your church if you have excellent programs, if you have great building. We have a great building. Great location, great coffee. You fill in the blank. Every pastor in their own ways fall into this trap. I fell into the trap over and over. In the last five years of church planting, I fell into this trap. You ask my staff. I'm like, yo, we got to get better coffee. Yo, we got to have better location. Look, I mean, these things are important, but I really believe if we can just tinker and do things a little bit better maybe more people will stay or more people will come 
And we become these professionals. I, I talked to my church planting friends. I was just having dinner the other day, and I was just like, man, we are so boring. We talk about these things like this is our life. It sort of is. And, and we have this mentality of just do whatever it takes to get people in the doors. And, 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 and I don't know if you ever hung out with pastors. When pastors hang out, when you get to know them, you introduce yourself. You know what the, the, the first or second question we ask? How big is your church? It's not how many disciples or, or how many baptisms. It's how big is your church? How many people are coming to your church? And then we all lie, right? We all, you know, multiply by two. We become these professionals, just do whatever it takes to get people in the door. But truth is, you can, yes, you can draw a crowd with great location, great coffee, great building, great production, excellent program structure. But, but what you will only do is you only draw a crowd. Many will come for great production, well-prepared talks, comfortable, the, 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 the buzz and the convenience. But eventually... When people are drawn by those things, they'll come and realize they could find those things outside the church walls. People can find better music outside these church walls. They can find more engaging and well-prepped talks, you know, outside of these church walls. They can find better coffee, better entertainment somewhere outside of these walls. Yet what is rare to the world, what is not common what, what we can demonstrate and really show the world is the humility of Christ and how that transforms the way we treat one another. Doesn't mean we're not going to have disunity. Doesn't mean we're not go going to disagree in this room or, or not all think alike. But it does mean when we do disagree, when we do have different opinions, we, we, we can approach those things in the way of Christ and humility to listen to, to persuade, but also to be able to come together. Again, we need faithful preaching, faithful practice of what is being preached, and we need both, not one or the other. You see, gospel preached without demonstration of it, it is lifeless. In the same way, the demonstration of love without faithful proclaiming of truth will not lead other people to true faith. They'll like you, They'll hang out with you, but it's not going to lead them to true faith. Both must be evident and nurtured in the life of the church. And this is what Jesus is praying for us. D.A. Carson, a, a scholar, he, he, he comments on this text, and this is what he says. The multiplying witness. This is how church grows. Jesus has in mind is both prepositional and exemplary, both confessional and demonstrative. It is a witness of word and of love. So we need both. Again, we cannot mature in our unity if, if we see each other for just two hours. I know it's, it's great. More people are coming to church. Pandemic is almost over, we think. It's great. But this can't be the only, only interaction we have with each other. We got to be able to invite each other to each other's homes, to be able to go out for meals, to be able to grab coffee, to be able to pray together and have our kids play together and, 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 and spend more time with each other. God has given us wonderful people. We have some amazing people. God has given us amazing space. So I want to encourage us. This is 
my sermon's done. I'm gonna even I'm, I'm real life example. I'm preaching ten minutes less so that we could after this we could all go hang out upstairs. That's really the application of today's sermon to be able to connect and spend more time. But I, I really want to encourage in this next season, let's make a greater effort, not just the staff, not just the leaders, but all of us to call each other up, to be able to spend time together. You're going to the park, just invite another, another member of the church to the park or another friend to the park. You're going to go watch something, go with somebody else in our community, right? And, 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 and don't wait for other people to approach you. Why don't you approach them and say, let's grab coffee. I've, I just met you at church. Let's do it. So many, I, I was just talking to a friend who was, who was attending another church. And, and they said they tried for like half a year to, to have lunch with somebody. But they ended up going to lunch by themselves every week because nobody would be like, hey, let's grab lunch. I know it's scary. I know it's, you know, it's hard to make friends as adults. Much harder. I think my daughter does a better job of making friends than I do. I get nervous. But we're all like that. But unless, you know, we are willing to reach out and, and ask and, and be vulnerable, you know, this is not going to just happen. You know, unity is not going to just happen, right? So can we do that? Because, because friends, I want to see people that do not know Jesus come to know Jesus through our community. But if Jesus' prayer is right, and I believe it's right, we cannot do that until we are united, until our unity is mature, until we had some disagreements, until we had some arguments, and we worked those things out. You know, growing up, I moved, I moved like 10 times. And every time we move... I'll get into I'll get into like fist fights in Korea. That was the that was the way you know how to rank yourself and how to how to make friends, right? If you if you beat up a guy that was like ranked number two in the school, you were n- number one, oh, right? Every every place I moved to, the guy I fought became best friends because what? That that draws closer. Like you you become closer by fighting and arguing and being able to live life together. You know, I, I'm not praying for us to be nice. I think many of us are really really nice. I'm praying that we would be willing to get a little bit. More, more real and genuine and honest. Can we do that? Can I, can I hear that? Oh, I hung out with so-and-so. Oh, I grabbed lunch. With. That's, that's my hope. That's my prayer. Out of pandemic, that, that, is, that, would bring me, that would bring me the most joy. That our community is challenging one another, spending time together, being able to live life together. Okay, I'm going longer. I'm getting taken away from the fellowship time. But going back to 2 Corinthians 4, I'll land here. Notice when Paul talks about jars of clay, it's never one jar. It's not singular jar. You like that artwork? I did that for you guys. I should have zoomed in a little bit. It's many jars. And it's never I, you know, I'm carrying this treasure. Paul never says, I carry this treasure. If anyone could have said that, Paul could have said that as an apostle. But it says, we. And he's talking to a church that's struggling. Church is really, really angry. And he's saying, we are. Because we need to. Because this is the way our Lord and Savior prayed. If you want the world to come to know Jesus, you got to figure it out here first. And we are the jars of clay. We as a community, we are carrying in our body, not you, not me, we are carrying the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested 
in our bodies. Amen? So I'm done because I only preached like, I gave you 10 minutes. We're going to, so after this, we have a little celebration. We have a little pizza party. That's the biggest application, that we all come and meet somebody, grab a piece of pizza, and hang out. Amen? Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for your prayer for us. Uh, community is hard. Relationship is, is, is hard. Um, being vulnerable is scary. Making friends as adults, is, it, it seems impossible. Uh, but Lord, we did not choose this community. Ultimately, it's your sovereign hands and your sovereign plans that brought this group of people together to live life together in this season. And so as you prayed, we want to mature in our unity. We want to grow in the way uh, we see you, in the way we worship, in the way we challenge each other. But also know that, Lord, it is a gift from you that each person in this room, no matter how different they may seem, uh, no matter how strange they may feel to us, they are a gift from you. And it's by your Spirit, Jesus, Spirit of Jesus, that we have become one body. So Lord, I just pray that you would encourage us, remind us, help us to move into this season of jumping in and getting to know one another, loving each other, showing generosity, caring for one another, so that not only would it would bless you and please you, but it would, it would be the city on the hill, it will be the salt and the light of the world. We thank you, Lord. Just let me pray. Amen.